welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan and buddy, my co-host, Sandra Sims. How are you today? It is an excellent day in Birmingham. In Birmingham. That must be why the signal is so good today. Okay, we're going to be positive today. <laughs> we are. We are super positive every day. And Hey, buddy, I got to tell you, we are in for a real treat today. We have our dear friend, Cam Kirst, on the show today. Cam, welcome to Radio Gold. Thank you. That that is, uh, buddy, you're cheering. I like it. I like it. Um, so, Cam, we are so excited to have you on the show. And you have had an incredible career at the elementary level and also as a university professional. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so, Cam, you started your teaching career in Washington State. And early on, you were a member of Washington Aford. Would you, would you tell us about... Uh, your early mentors when you were first getting started in the field in Washington State? Sure. Probably my first that comes to mind is actually Bob Pangrazy. He was a doctoral student at Washington State University while I was there um, when I started in my freshman year. And Vic Dower was actually a professor at that time at Washington State. Uh, university. And so um, I, you know, I started my career kind of cutting my teeth on one of the top professionals in our field. I had um, a physical education teacher um, actually in high school that I would also include in that. She was my gymnastic coach. And early on, for some reason, I could tell the difference that she was a teacher first and a coach second. In physical education class, she never, quote, coached, unquote. She actually was a teacher. In gymnastics, she was the coach. And uh, I, I, for some reason, that hit me early on, the difference there. And then um, probably another one was um, my advisor at Washington State University. She truly believed in me and what I was capable of before I even knew what I really could do or wow. had the potential to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I tell you what, I want to hit on a couple of those. So, wow, holy cow, Pangrazy. Uh, buddy, you might not have, you, you might, might have missed this, but I had his textbook. Uh, I'm sure our executive producer, Ginger Aaron Brush, had his textbook as well. Um, so what a legend. I mean, you just started out right out of the gate with like legend status. I really did. I, I, you know, I feel so fortunate and Bob and I are, are, are still friends and I always look forward to seeing him at um, conventions. So yeah, it's, wow. I, I think back and just think how lucky I was. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. Wow. So in 1986, you moved to Tennessee from Washington state that, um, that had to be a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, was that kind of culture shock for you going all the way across the country? Um, if it was, I don't know that it really registered with me. Um, and part of that is, I guess teaching is teaching. And I've always been able to lose myself in my 
class with my students. And I, I, I guess I just saw the same needs in the children from what I left to what I uh, went to. I've typically taught in lower income schools and I certainly did in Washington State. The school I left was a predominantly high percentage of Vietnamese students. Oh, wow. And, um, and a percentage of black. Um, but I had children that actually remembered escaping from Vietnam in both. Wow. So what, what city was this in, Cam? This in was in Tacoma, Washington, which is on. Oh, in Washington. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's just south of Seattle. Wow. And then going to Tennessee, the school I taught in was in Franklin, Tennessee, which is actually a, a really nice historical little bird. And I taught at a predominantly low income school that started out as a predominantly black, um, I guess it was K-8 school. And it never had really outgrown its kind of um, culture of being low, low income. And so I, I didn't really feel a difference. Children are, are children. Um, and they have so many of the same needs, no matter where you are. Absolutely. Um, and Cam, was that the school where you uh, achieved the NASPE star school status? Yes, Johnson yeah. Elementary. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Will you tell us about that? I mean, how did you, how did you take a school that, that had maybe a, a culture or, um, you know, just sort of maybe wasn't overachieving maybe in some ways and really take it to a, a level where you earn that NASPE star school status? Well, some of it I didn't have to do much because the beauty of Franklin Special School District that I taught in, all of our elementary schools, and I say all, I think there were four or five at the time, saw their children five days a week for 30 minutes. I had a budget of over $1,000. I had a extremely supportive administration. And if you um, looked at that STAR criteria, Right off the top, five senior children five days a week gave me a step up that many elementary, only 3% in the country had at that point. So that was it. I had a really uh, robust curriculum that I had been working on. There were two physical education teachers. I had two full-time certified physical education teachers. Um, two gyms. Wow. So I had a lot going for me almost from day one. The second gym came after I'd been there about 10 years. But, um, and I had a budget that made uh, teaching an individualized, progressive program just easy. It was a that lot of so, work, but yeah, it was that, great. That's so cool. So where did this kind of administrative level support come from? I mean, this is, you know, the mid 1980s and you're in a great situation, one that would really be the envy of a lot of a lot of other physical educators at the time. So 
where did this kind of support come from? I think principally it could go to one physical education teacher in Franklin. I, I don't remember when, and I should know, and that was Kathy Clark who many of you may have met at different times at yeah. conventions and at Southern District. She went to the school board and she pretty much laid it out what children really needed to help learn in the classroom, but to be healthy individuals. And it was Kathy truly that made that Happen. And that was well before my time. She is a tiger, a dog with a bone, and she is not going to let go. She will stand up for children and cheer and cheer, and she has always been that. She's been a wonderful colleague to work with. Cam, that is a great point. I tell you what, the power of one person is oh. something that we've heard before in our podcast. I remember. Uh, Andrew Lewis, buddy, remember that? The poor, mm -hmm. poor Andrew was like first year teacher and he has to go to the school board meeting. And, you know, basically he stands up when they want to uh, reduce or eliminate the program. And he says, oh, hell no. Um, that, that's going to be one of our bumper stickers, buddy. I know in the, in the merchandise stores, just as soon as we're <laughs> up and running with that. But Cam, you know, great point that the power of one person, we really, really shouldn't underestimate that. Buddy, you and I have been so lucky to work alongside Cam for many years serving our profession how much fun has that been you know cam she just makes everything better she does cam you're you're a great organizer uh we've worked on southern district um conventions together where you just you prepared and you kept us all on track uh in particularly organizing how we do all the sessions so i've been fortunate to, to sit on a board with you and honestly i find it a uh, great joy I always sit there because I know it's going to be okay because Cam's here. So Cam, you're a great organizer and you're that little spark plug. So we appreciate you. So I, I know, sorry, I had to, I had to give you that. Don't blush or anything. And I, I can see you. Now. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, going back to this Washington to Tennessee, that's, that's a pretty, again, that's a, that's a pretty big jump. I mean, when you came over there and you did this elementary school and did all this work, how in the world did you get involved with Tayford? Because it, at some point, was Tayford like right out of the get right out of the get go that you just got in? Is there is there a story behind? Because in other words, you eventually became the ED. So I mean, Tayford. I mean, I guess what I'm saying you're a servant. We're going to talk about that. I know, but your servant heart uh, that serving those kids with special needs or the ch children who have a, a, a lower income, and you always want to bring everybody up. But I guess my biggest thing is. How did how'd you get started with Tayford? Because again, another service organization for you. Give us a, kind of the backstory. Um, I was involved in Wapard, which was the Washington um, uh, um, counterpart to Tayford. And I was, um, I'd come up through the ranks. And again, how I got started, I think that was as um, an undergraduate at, in um, college, we were expected to be a member of AFERD at that time. That wasn't an option. That was an expectation. And so if you're involved or you're a member of your national, it would only make sense that you were also involved in um, your state. So I became involved in the state and, you know, kind of went through all the steps 
to move up from, you know, a, um, a committee member to a committee chair to a vice president. And I was President uh, Walker in, I think it was 81, and was considering running for Northwest president when I moved south. And so having been involved in my professional organization and having strong feelings about that, I had hoped that I would be welcomed in the state um, convention in Tennessee. And, and I had been at conventions, of course, and met people like George Graham and Shirley Hotel and Tina Hall and others, Kathy Clark and so many of them, that I knew the quality of uh, Tayford's um, uh, organization. And so after a few years, I just kind of fell into that, you know. I don't believe that. I don't believe you just <laughs> fell into it. Okay, I, okay, you, you can pull that. No, 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 no. You don't I mean, go. You you don't go to Washington and do all the things you did, and almost become Northwestern president, and then just come across the country, and you just said, "I'm just I'm just going to fall into being tech." No, no, no. You 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 were involved because they were smart, and I'm going to be honest with you. Tennessee Aford is awesome. We have had a great chance, uh, buddy. I know you had a chance probably to go visit paper during your one of your yeah, cycles. That's great. But, uh, Tennessee has a strong group and they were smart to get a hold of you. Now, how long were you uh, executive director? I mean, I know you, you moved your way through just like you did Washington. You moved your way through Tayford. When did you become the ED and how long were you ED there? I fell into that accidentally. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Hey, cancer does fall into stuff a lot. But that is not, I can Sandra, I was walking through the Hypers building at MTSU, and someone who was the current president said, oh, Cam, I just heard our executive director is no longer going to be the executive director. And it was like, oh, and so... One thing led to the other, and who knows what it was. Yeah. You just fell you into know, it, I got this you. Prob this problem that we probably all have with our hands, Yes. we don't sit on them well. So it was five years. Wow. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Wow. So, Cam, um, I'm just going to assume from that that you also just fell into yeah. Southern District, <laughs> um, you know, since you, you seem to fall into these things a lot. But... You know, you, you were an incredible leader in Tennessee. You've been just a phenomenal person, like Sanders said, to work with um, at the district level as well. You've served Southern District in many, many capacities. Um, president, if I recall correctly, way back in the day, you were the um, observer to the Board of Governors. Is that right? You were the, the BOG rep when, when each of the districts would send a rep to uh, Reston. Um, so you have... You, you've done everything. You've coordinated the conventions. You've, I, I mean. She doesn't how, say no. How, she doesn't well, right. say no, apparently. She, she does not And that's her, her falling hands. in, right? That's her falling right. into these things. So I got it. tell us a little, Cam, about how you fell into Southern District. <laughs> well, I think it was just, an, again, a natural 
having uh, been involved in Wofford at the, our Washington state level, I was involved in Northwest District. And so I kind of knew how all of that worked. And I forget my involvement in AFERD if I had been involved in um, NASPY at the time in COPEC <clears throat> while I was in Washington or if it was when I was in Tennessee. So, you know, I'd go to conventions, your Southern District conventions, and you know how it is when you sit around a room in a meeting and somebody says, oh, we need somebody to do X uh, on a committee. And, and I, I guess, probably been presenting. And so it was just a, a natural evolution, kind of, of my professional life. And I enjoyed the people I met and the thing, the what I learned when I was in a convention. And, and Southern District is a very, very welcoming um, district. It, it's moving. It was, you know, always had something new and wonderful. You know, Clyde was our uh, uh, executive director. And of course, when I left Washington, Northwest District didn't have a, a, a executive director. And I mean, we were barely treading water and keeping our heads above water. So it was kind of nice to be in a district that was growing and moving and had a vision um, with all of its leaders. And so it was just natural. And I, I just enjoyed the people. They're great people. <laughs> you know that. They're just awesome people. And we've been a leader. In, in our profession, Southern District has. You know, Kim, I don't, this falling in, I think it was better, the natural thing, I think that that's a little better for you because again, you're a natural servant. Okay, so let's, we'll, let, we'll leave your servant things just for a minute. And I need to ask you this question. I, I overheard this from a friend. Yeah, right. Okay. You're, you're, okay. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. An ultra marathoner. Okay, really. I need to, we need to, we need, I need to hear the story on this. Okay. I just want to just be able to get up and do a little bit of running. Ultra marathoner, Cam, what is that? Talk to me about it. Tell me about this story. Well, I just, I, I started running. I tried to run when I was in college and I never could get into it. And somehow after graduation and teaching and finding I needed to do something more for myself, I started running and running 10Ks and 5Ks. And, you know, I kind of found that I could lose myself in my running and do some really good problem solving and thinking and so it just kind of moved from a, a 5K to a half a marathon, and I kind of realized how mental so much of that running is. Um, so after I could do a half marathon, I knew, well, I could do a marathon. And I found it was just a nice release for mm. me. It was a way to be in my head and, and just put everything else on hold, or if something was really there bothering me, it was a way to work out 
the situation in my head. And hey, can, can I call? Can I call time out real quick? Yeah, yes, you can. Okay. Okay. Uh, Cam, how long? Let's start at the beginning. How long is an ultra marathon? Like seven days? No. Okay. See, you must think I'm really crazy. No. Okay. Anything over a marathon, which is twenty. Oh. Point two miles. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Can be classified as an ultra. So I have run. The farthest I've run is fifty miles. How, wait. And how many? <laughs> what? I, five zero. Yes. Okay. Buddy. Okay. Buddy, listen. I'm. I, I'm, I, buddy. I'm passing out right here. I'm. I need to get some water. But uh, Cam, fifty miles in like as quickly as you could, like over. <laughs> Buddy, that take me well, like yeah, know, got, 50 you, days. You, know, you can get an award. You can get a medal. You could be the first woman. Just finish. Just oh. get across the line. Okay. There's so a what, little bit of a competitive piece. Okay. So, Camp, this 50-miler took you how long? Well, there's a variety of times there, but probably my oh, math yes, was, yeah. you know where Oak Mountain is? Uh, we, yes, we all do. Yes. They've got a six mile loop. Mm -hmm. Did that one eight plus whatever times, couple times. Okay. And Leland, Mississippi, if you ever know that, they've got this nice little park that's 1.37 miles. Don't ask me how many laps it took. They were counting it. Oh my gosh. So I've done some crazy things. I think my best wow. time is seven hours and 30 something. Minutes. Oh my God. Okay, okay buddy. Okay, wait, a minute. wait, 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 wait. She said 50 was the longest. And I was thinking maybe once. Yeah, yeah right, right. No, mm -hmm. she's, she's now saying there were numerous. At least, at least two. Okay. At least two. She's right? named, I, I believe there was more than two, but. Okay, Cam, how many? I, I think it's eight. Oh my God, that's like 450 miles, buddy. I was not a math major. Is that? I am a UAB alum, though. Is that right? I'm I blown away. You can't even yeah. speak, buddy. Yeah. You, buddy, you can't even speak. Oh I my! Cannot. I you cannot. cannot speak. Okay. I cannot. So Cam, I, I'm listen, blown away. Cam, we have a lot in common all the time with all of our guests. Um, like oh, wait, Ginger, wait, wait. She, yeah, buddy. We have a lot of a lot of common. Oh, really? yeah. we, you and I have a lot in common with the guests. So Ginger works out twice a day. Brian DeVore was working out three times a day. Um, I, I, buddy, I'm so at a loss right now. I can't even think. But you completely lost me, Cam, at the beyond the 26.2 miles. I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, cool. That's, that's great. 26.8. Like that would count. Oh, no. <laughs> nobody. A 50 miler. A five zero miler. I, I need to ask Ginger. Ginger? Uh, do oh you my. believe, are, are you, are you thinking about ultra? Oh no. Okay. No. So I just want Cam. to make sure that the whole group here, you have blown all of us away, Cam. Oh my. Yes. Cam. Okay, Cam, Cam, we have 15 listeners and I need for all 15 <laughs> of them to, this is right now. It's about kind of me. I got to ask you this. So when I run, there is so much oxygen deprivation that my brain cannot do anything. It can't work out a problem. It can't make the world better. It, it doesn't calm down. It doesn't know what's for dinner. It, it cannot do anything. 
so how is it that your brain can do i need to try again because this has never worked for me tell me how you get in this like zone this place this magical oh i'm on mile 48 i'm let me think about how to split the atom how how does i don't understand it all help me please i don't know that i can explain it either i i don't know but um it's just it's worked for me and i don't run now but i walk and i found that i can finally get to almost that same place with my walking wow okay how, how many i hesitate to ask how many miles do you walk well, i work i walk a couple i walk two or three times a day yeah me too definitely so i probably get anywhere from nine to twelve miles a, per day in, in one day. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hey, I, I'm okay. gonna go ahead and take another time out. I believe that I need to go and have a conversation with Cam and be more like oh, him. Buddy, I was so proud like of the office today. I walked over to check the mail. Like it was, I was like, oh, look at all these steps I'm getting. Okay. You well, have Cam, to Cam, I, Cam, this is great. I, I'm, I'm so thankful I overheard that you were an ultra marathoner because that, that has been a really, a really special time. Yeah. So yeah. thank you yeah. for sharing. Wow. This. Yeah. So Cam, do you do, uh, you know, I know you're super close with your family. Your sister lives uh, nearby in Washington. Do you guys walk together, you and your sister? We do on occasion. She has a dog. So we walk with the, with the dog. Now, if you have a dog, you know what kind of walking you get. Oh, yeah. yeah. Start, yeah. stop. Yep, yep, yep. Start, yep. stop, smell, pee. <laughs> yes, you're so it's um, not yeah. quite as satisfying, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we walk our, together. Our rule was always it's their walk, not ours. So maybe, I don't know, maybe yeah. that helps you. So Cam, you know, again, you're super close with your sister. How do you, how do you think your family helped to kind of shape the person and professional that you are? I know, you know, we've learned a little bit about you. Well, we've actually learned a lot about you over the years, but you know, I know your family was um, super important to you. You grew up in Washington. How do you think that, that your family helped to kind of make you the person you are today? Um, my dad um, owned his own business. And I think what I saw there was the integrity um, and honesty and how he wanted to give to the community, but that his customers were very important. He had customers that returned to him for 25 and 30 years. Um, so I think um, for me, that, that was a real good foundation. I saw that. My mom um, stayed at home, so she was um, a housewife and, you know, I didn't learn to drive a car till I was 18 because why should I learn to drive when my mom would take me every place I wanted to go and I was in athletics um, all through school. So yeah, sure. She can pick me up. I didn't need to have to ride the bus or, or anything like that. And why would I get a car? Why would I have that responsibility when my mom was willing to do it? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, I just had a great foundation in my family as far as just a home life and honesty and, and trying to do the right thing. 
You know, Cam, so did family help you become the servant that you are? Because, I mean, honestly, as I said it earlier, you are a servant. You, you have, but I mean, you're retired now and you're still serving. So, I mean, it's not like it was something that you had to do because of your profession or your, your professor told you to go do it. it. It's innate with you. And so I'm trying to think, you know, have you all, so have you always been in service? Is that, because you really are a great servant. Well, thank you. I, I don't know. Um, I know my mom helped at school at PTA and, you know, things like that. Dad worked all the time. So I didn't see that piece. Um, I, I, I would, I don't know. I, maybe part of that was just college and it started with me real young um, with them. But you, but you serve, right? I mean, I'm just saying you serve. I, I just enjoy, I enjoy people. I, and enjoy the challenges and I guess kind of what I, I get back from it. A lot of it. I, you know, so, you know. so you're retired now. So how does that feel? I mean, what, what wakes you up in the morning? What gets you fired up to get out of bed and go, I'm going to go how many miles now? 10 miles. I'm going to go walk 50, 50 miles. Uh, but really, what what gets you up? We have, we've we've talked to several people who have been retired, and buddy, it's it's getting it's it's calling my. I hear the bell ringing over there. <laughs> I, I, all my friends are having way too much fun in retirement. I'm I'm just interested. Tell me what what gets you fired up in the morning? Like in other words, what's because I know you've been a servant, but I'm I'm just interested. What gets you going in the morning? I love mornings. I love mornings. So I want to be up early. I want to enjoy the fresh air. I want to see the sun come up. And I don't have to walk very far and I can see Mount Baker when it's out. And yesterday morning, it was gorgeous. The sun was coming up right behind Mount Baker and it was exquisite. So I think the fact that mornings are quiet and even as a teacher, I enjoyed being at school early so I have this moment of quiet. And so for getting up early, that's for me, my morning, my time of quiet before things get busy. And I, I eased into retirement. You know, I taught part-time, I retired, taught part-time for four years, was ED for about five. So I, I didn't do it cold turkey. So I've kind of, you know, picked up that walking will take my running and I like to read and so I just kind of fiddle around. Hey buddy, I'd be a morning person too on those 50 milers. It'd be like morning number three in a row. I'd still be out there trying to get my miles in, you know? <laughs> you're, you're terrible. <laughs> all, right, but, uh, all right, before, before I go on to this servant thing with, uh, in particular with the summit, I want to ask you a question. I'd love to have a picture of what you see that mo that morning with that mount. I would love, would you mind posting? I would love, absolutely love to see that picture. So it'd be kind of fun. Uh, but your service, I would love for you to, your service, uh, which of course, even though you're retired, you're still service with you. You've been that servant to, um, to our group, the, the health at what, as we were planning, you were a big part of the health and fiscal literacy summit. That was our initial uh, summit. 
we are excited um, that you've been were a part of that. So I, I know you you want to tell the listeners a little bit about why you would even be involved. I mean, here you are. You you've already said you're sliding into retirement. Why in the world would you come back to serve our our group and and actually be a part of this uh, summit? Because they're great people. What can I say? Southern District is great. It's fun to be involved in something that gives to our, our profession and has a vision and has history. And I just like it. I like it. You know, I'm... I, well, what, and we're, we're glad you do because we like you. And we've said that from the get-go, but I am going to just say you, that servant heart, that organization helped us tremendously uh, with the summit. And so I know a lot of people don't know all the things that go on behind the scenes, but you were a big player in that. And so I appreciate that. But anyway, um, your service roles continue and we could, we could probably talk about this all day. So I'm just going to go ahead and pass because we can keep going on because you, you're a servant. I'm just going to go ahead and say great volunteer, but, and we appreciate everything you've done for us. Hey, Cam, I want to ask you though, you know, you, you, not only volunteer with us, you know, uh, with the Health and Physical Literacy Summit, you, you volunteered at Southern District, um, but you, you do a lot in your, in your little town in Washington State in Bellingham. What, what else are you doing outside of our field in terms of your volunteer jobs? Will you tell us about that? Um, I won't use the term fell in, but kind of. Um, I went to a... <laughs> a meeting about two and a half years ago with the League of Women Voters. I had no idea why I chose that. I guess I was bored, I had no idea. And got involved in registering voters um, at civic and community events, at the local college just two miles from here, community college, Whatcom Community College. And so I just became involved in that and then um, volunteered at a couple local theaters. Uh, one is a historical theater that was built in 1929 and it's just phenomenal. Um, as a receptionist and usher and then another local, small local theater as an usher and selling tickets and kind of just enough to kind of dust off the boredom and meet some new people and and just some something different completely different from what i've ever done before good for you that's awesome so you know we've talked about your illustrious career we've talked about your volunteerism so i want to this is one of my favorite things to do by the way and that is learn more about cam Kirst. so tell us one of your favorite things to do when you're not working or volunteering favorite activity, something, something you really look forward to? Well, my walking or biking, reading. Okay, what do you like to read? Um, mysteries, some history. I'm getting a little bit more into some history. I like jigsaw puzzles. Who's your favorite mystery author? Um, I like Louise Penny. I like... Um, Donna Leone, who writes in Italy. Most of her books are, are in, placed in Italy, so it's kind of fun. Nice. So nice. they talk about the streets and the town. And Very cool. Yeah. All right. So what would be your perfect day from whatever, I don't know, 5 a.m. to 
whenever. Perfect day. <laughs> oh, wow. It probably sounds really, I, I'd get up and I'd walk, you know, um, have a leisurely breakfast, maybe read. Depending walk, walk again? Maybe yeah, run, yeah, usually walk in the hours. afternoon and then walk after dinner. Okay. Yeah. Buddy, we, that buddy. Bell, that, no, that bell buddy. is ringing. I'm telling you, that retirement bell, I hear it. Buddy, I hear we have it to in step the distance. It up. That, awesome. that just sounds awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a great day. Hey, well, Kim, we're going to. When you retire, different things that you didn't think you had time for or weren't interested in, somehow you've got this freedom now to kind of keep moving. And I've being in elementary physical education for 38 years, you know, I was moving all the time. And you're going to keep moving. We see that. All right. Now I need to know, I need to ask a question. Go back to Cam, uh, teenage Cam. Was teenage Cam always this, uh, you've already said she didn't want to have a driver's license, but was, was Cam a runner or was that, a, was the Cam the, what, what was it? Tell me a little bit about that high school person. I was a gymnast and I ran track short distances. Um, those were probably the two. Um, I wasn't a cheerleader. I couldn't coordinate my arms and legs together. <laughs> and school was hard for me. So I had to study hard. I had to really work at school to be an average student. It did not come easy to me. Um, but I, I was in intramurals. I didn't, I did compete in gymnastics, but um, other than that, I didn't. I guess I played a little volleyball, track and field. That was it. All right. You just play hey. all day. I love that. Yeah. I love that. The perfect profession, right? If you want to play all day. So, all right. So, Cam, I do, I want to shift back to kind of our health and physical education focus. What do you personally believe a quality daily physical education program should look like? And, and why do you think it's still so important in our school systems? I, I firmly believe in skill development with children, that to be a physically active um, adult or adolescent, that you need to have a strong base for skills. And so that's pretty much what my program um, was built on, is teaching the basic skills, throwing, catching, striking, kicking, you know, uh, striking. I think I already said that. Um, so from there, build it into small-sided activities and then I, when I was in Washington, I had the chance to teach. My programs were K, K6, so I taught sixth graders. And I, I truly loved how I could see my skills develop. And I only saw my children twice a week, so I would have, you know, I, if I could have ended my career in Tennessee teaching up to sixth grade, I, you know, it just would be exciting for me to see how I could take those um, beginning level skills and just continue them up into small-sided game skills that really um, got children understanding what um, cooperative activities were like and skills and where a skill could take you.
that was incredible. So Cam, you know, looking back, you've retired, you're, you know, maybe a little bit reflective. What's one thing that you wish you had known when you started your career that might've helped you? Man, if I had, if I had only known that, you know, 10 years ago, gosh, that would have been great. Oh, I don't think I ever had the knowledge that I would, I don't know that I knew I would enjoy what I did as much as I did. Um, I just didn't know how positive and, and how exciting and it could be to go to work every day. I don't believe I had maybe more than one, maybe two years I didn't enjoy going to work and it probably dealt more with administration, although I was very lucky and have supported administrators and teachers, but I, I just didn't, I had no idea when I started teaching or even went to Washington State University where my life would end up. I never ever knew it would be the ride I had. And we have had some rides, haven't we? Cam, it is wonderful to see and talk to you and ask you this question. You did a lot of name dropping in the front end of this call. And I'm interested, who has been most influential in your career? So, you know, normally I'd ask people to do about two or three, but you don't have to have a number, but you did a lot of names at the very front end. And I just want to know who's been most influential in your career. I would say Bob Pangrazy and George Graham, because those are the book, books that um, I used, textbooks I used and helped guide me and where I moved as a professional in uh, my curriculum. As um, far as um, I, I mentioned uh, uh, my teacher in high school, who was the coach that really did know about teaching and physical education. But one other person would have been uh, my advisor in college, um, Jane Erickson. And I was going to look up the text. She um, wrote uh, a folk dance uh, book. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the title of it. It was in paper and it was bound. Um, but she really believed in me as a student. I wasn't a good student. College was hard. It got easier throughout my years. But she just believed in my potential and what I could offer and do. And, and that's kind of where my leadership probably started was uh, a junior in college um, leading a student leadership conference. And wow. uh, yeah, you know, I just remember saying, don't you think somebody else has better skills than I do? And they said, no, we think you can do it. And that was just but you know, I, And I think that that's important. We've heard this more than once in, in our podcast series, that somebody had one person. Yeah. Somebody had one person that believed in them. And that one person made, I mean, I mean, yeah. they, all the people you've touched. And this one person believed you just enough that let you go forward and my goodness, how many people have you have you touched? And somebody's going to say that about Cam. That Cam's been yeah. was an influential. So pretty amazing. So nice job. And, Thank you for that. And buddy, how many times have we all, you know, maybe somebody said, "Hey, we want you to do this," and you're looking around, going, 
man, there's 49 other people more qualified than me to do that, but you want me to do that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, Cam, we've, we've really, that's a theme of, uh, of Radio Gold is just the, the, the people that believe you can do it and, and really what a trajectory that can kind of send you on. So Cam, tell us, what, what was some good advice that you were given early on in your career and who gave you that advice? And, and if you'd share it with us, that'd be great. It was pop, probably Bob and Crazy. Uh, when I got my first teaching job, I was smart enough to know my principal knew nothing about physical education. And I would get that, you know, whatever standard evaluation was. I could keep kids, you know, organized and busy and not climbing the walls. So, you're all too young to know probably the old reel-to-reel videos or they weren't called videos but you filmed i don't remember the camera but it was on a big spool and anyway i filmed myself teaching smile more and talk <laughs> less i don't know if i ever accomplished those things as a teacher. Well, I we smile a lot that. now and we love it. Yeah. Um, but Bob, yeah, smile more and talk less as a teacher. That's I got awesome. better at the talking less, I do know. I sometimes was too intense in my teaching to smile as much as I should have. So those are, I guess I, I remember that and I valued it because I knew what kind of professional he was and that if I wanted a true evaluation of my teaching I had to go to a source that knew about my field so it wasn't I discredited principals I just knew they didn't have the same background of what what our field needed for a good evaluation that's good you know Cam, this, we're in a crazy time for teaching. I mean, you, you think about this COVID-19 and it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking some students right now into a school and, you know, every day it's, it's different. And uh, I know that Ginger's, you know, living it every day in, in her classes. What are, what's your thoughts? I mean, if you were still teaching um, in Tennessee, what, what, how do you think you would navigate or what suggestions or any thoughts that you have on this, how physical education can can help or and kind of keep going through this kind of this time period that we're in well if i was in tennessee what i could do is i could teach outside a lot <laughs> and I, I knew that i know that and i had in my program <clears throat> most often if i was doing something i had enough equipment every child could have there own piece of equipment. So whether that be a ball or a mat, I actually had 24 tumbling mats. So each child could have their own. Unfortunately, <clears throat> that lasts just in your primary ages, because after that you want children to interact. I don't know, Sandra, I'm just glad I don't have to uh, figure that one out because I truly believe um, that is a challenge. I, I'd probably look at more individualized things, maybe some yoga. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just teaching children to move, maybe 
record things more that they can challenge themselves, do more self-challenges. But each age level <clears throat> is so unique and would have different needs. Um, my schools in our system right here in Whatcom County are not in session yet. They're still wow. all doing virtual. Wow. So I don't have a good answer. Um, I'm sure those that are navigating are, are, are figuring it out, it, you know, stops and starts. But I, I, my heart does go out to all of you, whether you're in the gym or in a classroom, trying to do what's best for young children or teenagers who matter. It doesn't matter to get your Thank message you. across. Yeah, I mean, even call it. How, how, you're trying to make pre, you know, you've got pre-service teachers. It's, what a way a to trip. start your career. It's, yeah, uh, you know, I've never, taught life -soling, I've never taught life sawing. I've never taught life a ball, a ball. <laughs> uh, you know, cleaning. I've never. We. This is. It's a new. It's a new day. So, uh, mm -hmm. and again, it is. I don't know that there's. There's no reason to apologize. Well, I think we're all learning as we go. So, uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad. I just kind of wonder your, your thought process because it's definitely a new day for these teachers that are. Yeah, yeah. you could write a book on it, couldn't you? Yes. All right, so Cam, I'm going to switch over to a, a happier time in all of our lives. And that was when we were together at the summit in Birmingham in February 2020. And what a fun time that was. You were an integral part of planning and delivering uh, the inaugural Health and Physical Literacy Summit in Birmingham. So um, in turn, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the summit in February. I think you did. I was yes. there. We, we spent a lot of time. So what would you say was one of your favorite summit memories from February? Oh, just seeing friends that we hadn't seen for a while and, and just being able to catch up with people. I thought some of the things we did, you know, like, um, I think our, um, opening night with the exhibit social and the gala and then uh, the silent auction and the live auction. I just think all of that was just so energizing. We had people from what was it 30 different states? I can't remember now. I think 30 yeah. different yeah. states that got to that came together and saw some of the things that are our strength in Southern District. And I don't know, it just it was energizing to be with everybody and some of the old and some of the new, and we tried different things. We did different things. And I, you know, I think some of it's well worth looking into and, and hopefully continuing <clears throat> if we can go back to being together face to face. Mm -hmm. You know, Kim, you talked a lot about going, attending a lot of conferences and, you know, I know that there's, you have memories. I, I just know you've got memories galore about great things that happened at these conferences. I need an all-time, um, kind of all-time memory. And I know that there's plenty that we could talk about that we've had a great time, but what is your all-time favorite moment that you remember from a conference or something that you attended? Well, I guess one that comes to mind is the year I was president of Southern District. I think we were in Houston or Fort Worth. 
and we had horrible weather come in. <laughs> and I was in charge of the RA, <clears throat> where at that time we had representatives from all the, the states yeah. that came and voted. Okay. And they were talking about really severe weather. They were talking about loss of electricity. And Tina and I were rooming together. And I remember I grabbed all my notes for RA. Everything I had, my gavel, or if I had a gavel, then I don't remember. And I put it all beside my bed with my tennis shoes. Because I think I was, I had a, a, a junior suite, I don't know what floor, five, seven, or something like that. And I thought, well, and I had a flashlight. I thought, if I have to go down to that meeting and they have auxiliary power, that doesn't mean that I'm going to have light up in my room. So I was prepared to go down to that meeting with whatever tennis shoes on and, you know, grab, I had pants or something I'd laid beside, not the dress I had planned on wearing. Because I thought if I had to go down and leave that meeting, everybody'd look as, as unkept and put together as I would be too. Because we wouldn't have had the showers and we wouldn't have had things like that. And I had all my notes with me. That just sticks in my mind because it was so funny to stand up at that RA meeting and uh, kind of started off like that. I'm glad to see everybody here and we're all well put together. And Bob Pangrazy was my keynote speaker back there. Uh, no, maybe that's not right. I presented him with one of my presidential awards. That's Cam, I distinctly remember we, it was Fort Worth and uh, it, that, the weather was horrible. And the next night we were walking to dinner and we saw windows blown out in the hotel across the street. So the fact that we weren't all in our pajamas at the sessions the next day was probably a miracle. So, yeah, yeah, that, I just, that's, yeah, I do remember that, I guess, being in leadership and having to sweat out some of that stuff. You <laughs> right. know, really stuff. All right, Cam, we're going to we're going to end on a fun note with some fun personal questions. And this is going to be rapid fire. You ready? I guess. Okay. <laughs> Don't sound too excited now. All right. So you have a microphone to the whole world for five minutes and you get to go live. What would you tell the world? To really take advantage of, of all the opportunities that are put in front of you, whether you think you can do it or not, because chances are somebody's out there believes in you. And sometimes we don't believe enough in ourselves that it's worth taking the risk. If somebody you value and somebody you really respect believes in you, take a look in the mirror because chances are there's something there that's worth stepping up to. It's awesome. All right, great. Kim, if you're stranded on a desert island, with three other people, who would you, those be? Who would you pick? Wow. It doesn't and have to be us. <laughs> yes, okay. it we has to be people, the three people, <laughs> yes. I guess my sister, because she, she is truly my friend, Tina Hall, and I think Rachel Maddow. Oh, what a great wow. pick. Wow, 
All right. Nice. Very cool. All right, Cam, what is your favorite dessert? Cheesecake. Okay. Good to know. All right. What about your favorite musician or band? I think Lionel Richie. All right. Say you, oh, say me. Yeah. Say you, say me. <laughs> buddy, oh, buddy. Say I cannot. That, I that's charity terrible. singing, folks. That's charity. <laughs> yeah. All right, Cam. Uh, what's something you got away with as a kid that your parents never knew about? You know, I don't know. My mom knew everything. And I was the well, kid that followed the rules. Okay. I was a rule follower. I could see that. I, I don't think I did. I don't think I tried to get away with anything. I was That's afraid to okay, get in Kim. trouble. Yeah. That's okay. okay. You do not have to have an answer for that one. All right. Beach or mountains? Which one? Beach. Good call. All right. Although I yeah. do like the mountains. All right. So, Cam, I, I'm sure you have, in preparation for this uh, monumental day in your life, uh, being with <laughs> us on Radio Gold, I'm sure that you went back and listened to every episode that we've recorded. They are all absolutely outstanding. Um, you may have noticed, if you listen to a couple, that sometimes with our friends, at the end of the show, we play a great game called um, Two Truths and a Lie. And every time we play that game on the air, we dedicate it to you because you are the best two truths and a lie player hands down that I've ever known. Um, you know, that's a, a great conference memory for me. I'm not really going to go into all the specifics, Thank but buddy, you. I think, I think you were there too. When we played that game with cam, we were in Orlando. That's correct. I'm pretty sure you had to drive us home from dinner that night, but anyway, <laughs> cam, it Cam, it's a huge honor to have the person on the show that we play the game in honor of. So we are fired up to have you do two truths and a lie. So the way we work it is you're going to give us uh, your three statements. All right. One of those will be a lie. The other two will be the truth. And Ginger, our executive producer, is going to be our celebrity guest picker. So she's going to guess, uh, Ginger, we're, you're on a little bit of a win streak, right? So we're, we're excited to yes. have you weigh in. I think I've, I've got one right in okay. all the times we played, but I'm on a streak. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the streak I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Actually, she ended the streak with that one win. So yeah, so we're excited. All right, Cam, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, hit us. Okay, I've owned a horse for, I owned a horse for 12 years and never rode it. Wow, okay. Um, I take a nap anywhere from two to three times a week. Um, I'm in a play, it's been canceled because of COVID. Uh, it's called The Smell of the Kill, and it's about three marriage, uh, you know, three couples that are married and the men get lost, get locked in a meat, you know, a meat freezer. And the wives are wondering what they'll do. And we were supposed to do it in the spring. Guess what? It's on hold. So. Okay. So you owned a horse for 12 years that you never rode. You nap two to three times a week. And you're going to be in a play about three men locked in a meat locker and their wives don't know what to do. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Ginger. Whew, I'm glad it's you and not me. Woo, yes, this one's tough. Um, hmm. Well, I don't see you being a napper. You seem way too busy and active. Um, but I also don't see you ho having a horse and not riding it for 12 years. So this, this is tough. Um, I'm going to say your lie is the lie about the horse. Oh, no, the streak is over. <laughs> oh, yeah. what is it? Uh -oh, oh, this Cam. is the time that you've got to reveal. The, the play. Ah, oh, what? I was so convinced. I was so convinced. You played, was you played that to the max. Oh, my I God. I mean, you, you wore out the play. Oh, yeah. I, I mean. I was ready to go yeah. see you. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was about to fly to Washington. Yes, it's great, but we have a, the little theater where I usher. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're not actually going to be in a play. No. It's devastating. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Now, Cam, Cam, can I just say this? You never film. On this this is the greatest really this game that we play at the end is absolutely oh, yeah. it's iconic it's and it's radio gold. Be, it, 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 it is radio gold. it yeah. is why people listen just for the yeah. end I mean, yeah, we've, right. to, we've waited to the end of we had to wait one person said we got to wait to the end of and yeah, i'll let you know they were ready so i just want you to know this is this has been fun cam you did a great job Thanks, folks. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. Cam, we were just delighted to have you on, and thank you for sharing with us and uh, taking your time to be with us today. And thank you for a great round of Two Truths and a Lie. You have never let us down with that game is concerned, <laughs> ever. <laughs>